Doctor, look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew. Welcome, everybody. It's Dr. Homebrew. The boys are back. That's correct. We are back here to talk about home brews. We even have a home brewer on the show today. Welcome back, Colin, who was here February of last year. And we had a whole Hi, conversation. Colin. How are you? I'm well. How are you? And uh, Brian, yeah. Brian Cooper and I were in the chat a little bit early talking to uh, Colin. Well, actually, I should say right on time because Brian Shar was late. But, you know, I'll let that go. I'm, I'm and, late. Uh, <laughs> what about it, man? <laughs> and, um, you know, apparently we were talking last year about like, how hey, there's this thing going around and like, you know, whatever. No one really knew what to make of it. So uh, we're oh, yeah. here now, everybody. And, uh, you know, things are looking up. Up. I think they're looking up. Yeah, we're yeah. tasting the uh, uh, a pandemic rebrew beer here tonight. Yes. Are we? Uh, yes, it's a year ago when I had this cough that wouldn't go away, and I was like, no, I didn't get sick really. I had like a cold, but yeah. I had this cough for like three months, and it won't go away. What's happening? And then suddenly everyone else around me had the same cough. It was weird, <laughs> and I got really tired, and, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, maybe I'm typhoid, Brian. <laughs> Hopefully that would be nice. Uh, before we start on the show, though, I would like to thank our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. You know, uh, as you guys know, I'm home brewing again. Actually, I don't think we've done the show since I've brewed. I finally brewed a batch of homebrew and used nothing but star sand and uh, PBW from Five as Star. Ingredients. As ingredients, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. As ingredients, I ran that through, I mashed in, I dry, I dry star sand. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did, didn't Justin do that like twelve years ago? <laughs> Probably. It was it was weird, man. Like sort of getting back in the in the saddle of. Uh, I mean, it's I, it was, I used the Brewzilla for more beer, so it's all in one like thing, right? But mm. it was weird, and and I have a, a, a more beer five gallon conical, and it was very strange to me to like remember how to sanitize shit like during the boil it was like <laughs> 10 minutes left in the boil and i was like oh i need to put this somewhere <laughs> i need to put all this beer somewhere so i'd like oh yeah i have to clean so I have to, how do i do that uh, okay uh clean the bottom dump in pbw and then star sand and then put it back on and then fill the the conical in star sand or, or a pbw and like wipe it down and let it sit and do it like those Steps were sort of like uh, they came to me after a while, but it, it took a, a good amount of brain power for me to figure out how to do stuff. But and that conical hasn't been used in five years, much less uh, you know cleaned. So I had full confidence in my uh, my star sand and my sandy, my uh, my uh, PBW, and uh, beer came out great. I thought it was. I, I think it tastes really good. I I fucked up the. The brewing, because it was, you know, a weird, I've never brewed this way before, so it's going to take me a little bit, but uh came out good. It's a light beer, so I know that, or, you know, it's like three, eight, maybe, maybe. Nice. Um, it's a dark, what, mild. What kind of beer? Like, a, of course, yeah, a mild. Dark, mild, but with kvike yeast. Mm. Why? Like the, I don't know. Um, I think because, well, actually, I can tell you exactly why. I was listening to... 
um, Bruce Strong, because I, I edit the, and post the Bruce Strongs. And there was one that was posted uh, maybe about a month ago that they're talking to um, a lab in Canada about Kvike East and all that kind of stuff. It's a very interesting show, actually, if you guys are interested in Kvike. And I was like, oh. Escarpment. I just listened to that Escarpment. show the uh, other day. How was my editing? Was it good? It was real good, man. Thanks, man. Good job. Um, yeah. And so uh, anyway, I was like, oh, I want to try brewing with that. Cause, and then I was looking at the yeast on more beer. And then, you know, they have all the descriptions. And this one sort of like threw off a little fruity uh, things. And I'm like, that could work with a mild. I think that would be great. And uh, honestly, I like it so much. I bought ingredients for an ESB and I'm, I got the same yeast. So I'm going to try it again and see, you know, see what happens. But anyway, uh, I feel very, uh, very secure and comfortable using a conical that's been sitting around for five years all mungy uh, with Five Star Chemicals, and you should too. Go to fivestarchemicals.com. They keep the show on the air. Uh, send them an email. Throw them a follow on their social media, and uh, thank them very much. And thank them very much for sponsoring the show, sponsoring the network. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. And if HomebrewCon happens, which apparently is up in the air, like they're actually learned by like mid March. Yeah, mid March. So if we do it, if it happens, which I I don't think that that's very smart. Um, but, uh, if we do, I'm sure it'll be done with the greatest of care. Then you can say hi to the five star people, but, uh, otherwise send them, send them an email. Thank them very much yeah. for the show, please. JP, I'm going to, while you're having that dark mild, I'm only going to digress for two seconds. I've never, I've always been Doubt kind it. of iffy on that Kavike yeast, and I've never really liked any of the beers I've, I've had that are made with it, but it's because it's always like a home brewer that's like, hey, I fermented this at 95 degrees. Like, right. why? why? What, what are you doing? And then the, the guys at Escarpment on the show were like, um, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> that's, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, well, maybe the reason I haven't liked the beers I've had that have been made with Kvike yeast is that people are trying to do this one-upmanship kind of like, I have 100 IBUs in my IPA. So like, no, I fermented this beer at 125. I put it in my oven. <laughs> uh, and it was done in three, it was done in 35 minutes. Yeah. Uh, no, well, that's that's not what you're supposed to do with the Kavikis. Yeah, well, I I think part of the issue with that is that people are are still learning about it, and so they think yes. that um, oh, well, we can do this a lot like saison yeast. People go, well, to make a saison, you gotta bake the shit out of thing. You don't really, right? Because I've had some really good commercial saisons that are 64. 65. Also, you know, this yeast comes from Scandinavian countries. It's not exactly the freaking tropics. Right. And no, it's and no, it's not at all. It's um it's not just one like yeast. It's a family of yeast. When you go, I brewed with Kvike yeast, it's like, well, what what kind, what strain, right? Which is also what I learned from that escarpment show. Anyway, Bruce Strong, it's yeah. a good show. Check it out. Um it's a really good show. Definitely yeah. if you have any any interest, you download that thing and listen to it. It's real good. But even if uh well anyway, so I, I fermented this at like I pitched it like sixty eight or seventy and I sort of just let it free rise. It's such a it was such a low OG. It was like ten forty. Um I, you know, it was done in a couple of days, but I think it got up to like 76, 78, maybe. And that's it, because it's still relatively chilly, air quotes, out here at, you know, 78 in my garage during the day. Anyway, um, so I didn't really bake it a whole lot, but that's, I, I don't think you should. Anyway, I think, no, a, a, I think to your point, you're right. A lot of home brewers early on were sort of driving it up because they could, but now we're sort of learning through places like Escarpment and, and, and shows like that Brew Strong app that you don't need to do that. That's not really what 
drives the flavor. You can, they're tolerant to that temperature, but don't do it. You don't, yeah. it doesn't do the best flavor. Still do it mellow, but I got in those, uh, the packs from, I think it's Omega yeast or whatever. It's just like a tear and thing, like tear and dump, but it's in the pouches like White Labs or Y yeast ah. used to be. So I'm like, gotcha. oh, okay, I'm an idiot. And I take it and I go, and I fucking smack it. And my hand just bounces back. I'm like, oh, it's not a smack pack. Like, it's just uh. that, like that, that muscle memory of having that container in my hand. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm, anyway, that thing was, that thing was uh, uh, kicking off within six hours. It was very, very fat. And that's what I've heard from, from, from that family of yeast, that Kvike yeast. It's very, very hearty. It'll sort of go real fast. Um, anyway, if you're interested in it, check it out. It's Kvike's is good stuff. No, no long-term home brewer, long-time home brewer will ever forget trying to chase down that little, little tiny packet in that white oh, yeah. pack and kind of hold it in place and then kind of hold it in place with one hand while you whack it with the other and hope you've it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got yeah. big hands, so I, I could just basically yeah. cover that thing the whole entire time. But, uh, well, nothing was worse where like you thought you hit it. <laughs> and then you don't, and then yes. you you cut it open, and it's just like uh, like slurry or not slurry, but um, like basically just wort or whatever. And it's like, wow, that's pretty clear. Oh, because all the yeast is still in the little pod. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk about Collins beer, and then we're gonna be talking about the new styles in the BJ, not BJCP at the Brewers Association, their commercial styles, but. Who would we be if we weren't talking about styles? And there's some pretty interesting things going on at the BA. So we're going to talk about uh, the four brand new styles really briefly. We're not going to go super, super nerdy into them. Um, and then that'll be it. So we'll have a good time drinking beer and drinking home brews and um, all that kind of fun stuff. You know what I'm trying to say, guys? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, before we do that, let me take a quick break, mainly because I don't have a bottle opener. So we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to grab a ball opener. We're going to come back. We're going to jump into Collins Beers. Right after this, it's Dr. Homebrew. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ma'am, I'll need to take your top off for this examination. Oh, doctor. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We are back. Dr. Homebrew, we're here with Colin. What's up, dude? Welcome back, Colin. Happy uh, a little bit over one year anniversary. Well, he's been he's been back since. He's a he's a uh -huh. multiple repeat offender. Sure, I know, I understand. What are you, my wife? Sure. You got to correct me at every moment in my life. <laughs> but yeah, the Colin, anniversary of this beer. Colin, what did you uh, send us, and why are we drinking it? So this is a Baltic Porter. So based off the feedback from a year ago, I rebrewed the beer. And I'm kind of curious to see if it improved or if the things I was hoping to fix ah, got fixed or not. Okay, I love it. I love it when people send in beers. Uh, Baltic Porter? Yep. What yeah. style is this? That's not what you have in your hand. That's not what I have in my hand. What is this? I. It's a 9C. I got a 22B. It's got that's, a red It's got a that's red the cap. Other, uh, the 22B isn't the one even for later. So you're just drinking crazy, man. Colin, what is, is this that, beer then? Did, uh, was it from the last show? I don't is know. The American Strong? This smells like an American Strong, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't need to drink it. I'm going to drink this American Strong. Uh, so so it was a Baltic Porter. You yep. rebrewed it based on uh, everybody's... I'm going to just say everybody's because it mm -hmm. sort of includes me, but it doesn't really. Uh, everybody's feedback. 
and then uh, you sent it in. I think that's cool, man. I appreciate that. Brian Shar, why don't you go ahead and go first, please? All right, then. So, Colin, thank you for sharing this. I do have to share uh, uh, a amusing and slightly horrifying anecdote of how I received the, uh, the beer. You packaged them very well, and each bottle came in a separate uh, big Ziploc baggie. And I opened up the box, and one bottle was kind of soaked. The label was soaked in Baltic Porter. And probably, I'm guessing, about a cubic inch of it had gotten out somehow in transit. So I sort of gingerly took that out and washed the bottle and put it in my fridge. I haven't opened up that one. The other one seemed like it may have had a few drops come out uh, in transit. But I went ahead and put it in my fridge anyway. And about three days later, I'm... And I, I have a separate little beer fridge, and for some reason, I don't, don't know why I didn't put it in there. About three days later, my partner's putting some stuff in the fridge and knocks that one bottle out, and the cap hits the kitchen floor. Thankfully, it's like linoleum, uh, and a few drops come out. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, that's the only one. And she picks it up, and she, she puts it back in the fridge, and I'm like, well, okay. And, you know, we had some, you know, Brian and J- JP and I had had some texting before the show about, well, can we maybe exchange bottles or whatever? But uh, fortunately, when I opened this up, uh, it did have some hiss uh, and it ended up being a really excellent beer. So uh, I was all afraid for the last uh, a few weeks of nothing. <laughs> the one bottle that I didn't have uh, really much leakage from, I was terrified that somehow... It was going to get oxidized or be un- uncarbonated or something. So it wasn't a giant hiss when I opened it up, but it was there was a hiss, and the bottle was filled properly. Uh, aroma, uh, smooth and complex. I get chocolate, plum, bread crust, uh, other th- just some of the highlights. It's not even everything that's in there uh, that all harmoniously blend together. Uh, I got some raisin uh, at a very low level, not like sometimes when you you detect raisin, uh, just like in a in a red wine. Sometimes it's like whoa, a, a little raisin is good, but a lot of raisins like whoa, this is not this is not what I signed up to drink. Uh, there's you know, a, a soft soft raisin character, no hops, just a hint of ethanol sweetness, but a really nice harmonious aroma. Uh, Ten out of twelve. Appearance, three out of three. Uh, very dark brown with reddish highlights right at the edges. Uh, there's a very persistent low head with a tan color. Uh, hard to determine clarity with a dark beer. You have to kind of tilt it and look around the edges. Uh, but it's very clear as far as I can, can determine. Uh, flavor. Initially, the flavor is a, a malty uh, bread crust, uh, low chocolate uh, malt uh, character hot bitterness comes up to balance in mid palate it's really well attenuated uh, a big beer like this sometimes can just be kind of sweet or wordy this is not it's i think attenuated very well uh i get some plum cherry esters at kind of a, a low level kind of like in the the aroma uh sweet ethanol not a not a fusel you know in in, in a big beer whether it's a Baltic porter or a barley wine or whatever, the character of the alcohol is important. And you can tell a lot from the aroma and the flavor uh, about what kind of fermentation you've had. And the fusels are where you have kind of the, you know, uh, 
temperature went out of control or something bad, yeast was unhappy or something bad happened to fermentation, and you get those sort of off-fusel aromas. When fermentation is good, you get a, a sweet ethanol character that's not biting, it's not rubbing alcohol, it's not cheap vodka, it's just a, a, a sweet, clean ethanol, and this beer beer had that to me. Uh, it's a very long finished, balanced toward malt. I gave it a, a 17 uh, for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel, five out of five. Uh, low uh, low carbonation through no fault of of the brewer, uh, Colin. Uh, any call, any uh, ferment, uh, carbonation issue was, I, I gave the benefit of the doubt on that from the bottle getting knocked onto the kitchen floor and having lost a little bit of carbonation on 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 that. Uh, medium warming. Uh, creamy, no astringency, uh, body is medium to high. Uh, overall impression, I gave a nine for a total of 44. Uh, this is really an amazing beer that I think is is deceptively high in alcohol. Uh, last time you were on, I think I was telling a story about like when I made Baltic Porter and uh, everyone, all the parents from daycare did not realize, despite my in, 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 incessant warnings and the big 10% on the board and the big circle around that, this is a high alcohol beer. <laughs> you know, be careful. You know, there, were, there were people passed out in my, there were dads and moms passed out in my living room from, from drinking this stuff. But that's kind of the ideal of the Baltic Porter, right? You have a, a very flavorful, high alcohol beer that because it's fermented at a, a lager temperature is very smooth and kind of sneaks up on you without, without, if you don't understand what you're drinking, it can kind of hit you a little hard. Uh, the, uh, uh, this beer is so harmonious and it raises kind of the, you know, I scored it real high and people have had this discussion before and I don't know that need to belabor it here, but it, it raises that kind of point of, well, what really is the platonic ideal of any style and what stops people from judging uh, something that might be in the, the mid forties, like the full 50. Uh, and is it just our own you know, reluctance to do that because we typically don't do something like that or, or what, but regardless, you know, uh, you're up in the rarefied air of very high scores for this beer. I really liked it. And I plan to uh, drink a lot more of this while uh, Brian is talking about his uh, his score. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, drink away, buddy. I know we we got we got another show to do after this, but I'm not sure. We'll we'll see how how able I am to do that in about half an hour. Right. Well, we only have one beer on this show, so you can sip it during the second. <laughs> there second. you go. There you go. Um, All right, Cooper. Yeah, my, my bottle had a nice uh, a nice fill and a, a good little hiss when I opened it. So um, that was cool. I didn't. I didn't have any leakiness. It, in the nose, I, I get an initial malty sweetness with edges of some chocolateiness and uh, medium roast coffee. Um, it's got a modest seeming smooth alcohol. Um, really clean. Uh, not not solventy or harsh at all. Uh, no uh, no hops noted. Uh, the beer is just not burnt at all. You don't want it to have any real rich roastiness at all in the in the Baltic. So that's spot on. Uh, no no DMS or, or diacetyl. I would say kind of very low ester. There's not really you know it seems uh, it's got more of a a lager character than an ale character. I think any of the the fruitiness is is probably coming from the malt. I do get a, a hint of some plum. 
uh, malty fruitiness in there. Um, so yeah, I gave it a 10 on aroma as well, Brian. Um, appearance wise, it's a deep brown with mahogany tinge uh, to it. It's uh, pretty nicely dark. I like that it has some garnet highlights showing through when you hold it up to the light. Um, so it seems clear, but you do kind of have to look at the corners to really tell. <laughs> it's almost opaque. Uh, medium, uh, medium low tan colored head. Um, actually persisted quite well um, when I poured it last night. This one, I, I tilted my glass a little bit, so I didn't give it a real fair, like straight down pour. So I'm, but it's made of uh, mostly finer bubbles here and uh, just a nicely formed head. Uh, and this, this beer, despite the strength, should have a head that sticks around a little while uh, for you. Um, so it did persist pretty well. Some, uh, yeah, there's some obvious alcohol in here and that will uh, knock that down a little faster than <laughs> than the lighter beers. About a three out of three for appearance as well. Uh, in the flavor, this beer is richly malty. Uh, it's fairly boldly alcoholic, but this element is really smooth. Um, but it does hit, hitch up front. Notes of coffee and some rich darker chocolate, just kind of backgroundy though. Um, it's not heavy or really pronounced. Um, it's smooth, lightly dried prune. Um, a, a water profile shows kind of restrained minerality. It doesn't really, it doesn't have any mineral bite or sharpness to it or edges kind of poking out. Uh, it seems like the water used was pretty nice for the style. Um, it, it finishes, I've called it medium semi-dry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not completely dry it's it's kind of there's there's a hint of some sweetness there but it's it is really nicely attenuated like brian said it's it's uh um you know just right where you want it there if you need to know the what the, the final gravity was on this one and when i listened to the back to the previous show when we talked about this the first brew of this the attenuation and uh, and that that dryness you know not bone dryness obviously but the you know, the, the, the place where it finished out seemed like a really good place then too. Um, medium low bitterness, just enough to kind of bring it up to balance for the style. Uh, you don't, you don't want too much bitterness in the way here. Um, only faintly spicy hop flavor. Uh, it's uh, cleanly fermented with uh, no off flavors to detract. Balanced uh, firmly to the malt for sure. Um, yeah, it's got uh, a nice dark malt uh character to it just it's not i, I won't say it's non-script because it's complex but it's it's not super chocolatey there's there's not a lot of the middle like you know toffee caramelly kind of flavors it's just more, more and there's there's a little bit of toastiness but it's mostly you know it's like really smooth coffee really smooth chocolate and uh just kind of gener generic dark malt smooth dark malt character uh, that just lingers into the aftertaste with that uh, the alcohol there. So um, I gave it a 17 for the flavor, exactly as Brian did. <laughs> uh, Mouthfeel-wise. Yeah, we, we didn't coordinate this in advance. In fact, I, was, I was trying to text him earlier, like, hey, did you judge that uh, Baltic yet? <laughs> yeah, Co like, Cooper texted oh. me again like two minutes before I went on, like, what did you score that thing? So this is all totally <laughs> Cooper independently. Nice. Yeah. Um, in the mouthfeel, full-bodied, it's it's pretty mouth-filling, but not too chewy or heavy at all. Uh, smooth, medium-high alcohol warmth, 
extending all all the way to the back of the throat and partly down down the throat as well um, but it's it's not harsh or biting at all um, medium high carbonation keeps it perky um, it's a bit acidic with the dark dark malts acidity kind of complementing the you know the higher co2 which is beer it's not you know for a strong beer a lot of times the stronger ones will have a little less carbonation like a barley wine or something but the baltic can have a fair amount and that was something we talked about the last time too um so that's coming through nicely and uh you know just very smooth sipper altogether uh, it's creamy smooth there's no astringency going on here so and then and for some reason i i you know, reading the reading the guidelines, that's that fits it about perfectly. But I gave it a four for mouthfeel. But after I listened to Brian's five, I just changed my mind to five. Oh shit! There we so, go. Um, Adjusting overall, on the fly. Yeah, it's a very finely brewed Baltic porter with excellent yeah. recipe ingredient choices and uh, very well cared for fermentation. Uh, the smoothness. And a deceptive strength seem to be the defining characteristics, along with the richness and complexity of the malts, uh, stopping far short of burnt or rough. Uh, there's no, uh, we talk to sometimes about this, the kind of what I call like the metallic tang or the, you know, I don't know, maybe it's an, just an age defect that you get in some of the bottles, like the, the Polish ones that I've had. And, you know, I haven't had too many commercial examples. I've never been uh, in a place where I could taste one fresh from. Uh, from draft necessarily so the ones i've had that are really good have been homebrews like this one uh but but this is probably the the, the best homebrew baltic i've i've had uh the um yeah there's no overt minerals or anything giving it a more you know a more acidic bend it's it's just acidic and it's just from the dark malts that are there it's not really overly acidic at all i wouldn't say it's just clean and smooth um I would say it could use a touch more uh, fruitiness, and we could talk about how to get that. You don't really want the fruitiness to come from your fermentation, but uh, maybe bringing in some, you know, um, different malts that will give you that a little fruitiness uh, in the malt profile. You know, um, some some caramunic or something. I don't know. Just something to give it a little interesting. Uh, you know, a little bit more of the fruitiness. But I I drink all of this last night <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was it was my my first beer at, at, at like 11 30 last night after i got back up because i crashed out for a while and uh <laughs> and it was it was nice i'm like this is nice i'm just gonna finish this and i, I rarely do that with the, the dr homebrew beers so <laughs> i mean this is not falling asleep and then woken up and been like why do you need to drink some more <laughs> right right you you pass so, out with that uh, glass and then you you well, I gotta finish it. You reach exactly. Yeah, I've done yeah. That so I gave sure. it a nine out of ten for overall impression as well. And that so so now that I adjust, I fixed my mouthfeel score, which was obviously <laughs> just wrong. Uh, I landed at a forty four as well. So yeah. um, that's where we're at. Mid forties is pretty high. I don't I don't know how many we've scored over forty five on the history of the show or up towards forty five. It's it's. You know, there's there there have been a, a number of them, but but this is a very a very fine beer again, and and when I listened to the the sheet from you know, last February, it was very similar. I didn't the the differences I detected were that I think I pulled out a little bit of um, toffee like in the last one that I didn't get as much in this one. Um, maybe it was a little more a little more carameliness, and the the middle malts kind of came through a little more, and that was nice, and and it gave them a little more. Uh, 
maybe it was a little more complex on the malt side, but I think this one's probably got a, a little bit more of the malt, um, the, the fruitiness, uh, you know, we're getting, we're both getting plum and, and, uh, a little and, cherry. Yeah. Cherry mm. and, and, uh, and that kind of stuff, uh, pruned. So it's there and it's coming up. I don't know uh, what the adjustments you made and if they were subtle or if you made pretty bold changes, but, um, I remember you used a, on the last one, you used a, um, just a regular base malt, uh, a two row as your, your base. And you can, um, you know, you can go different directions with what you, what you want to do there. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear the recipe and just, uh, hear where you, yeah, where you would, with this, what the things were that you did yeah. change. Yeah, for sure. We talked about. Absolutely. Colin, yeah, go well ahead. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so the main things I was trying to change based on the last time. So, the roast character was overly chocolate last time, I thought. So kind of I tried to make that a little more complex without making it more roasty. And then yeah. to bump, bump the fruit, the kind of the dark fruit characters, the, the yeah. two main goals that I was doing. Um, so the to do that, I, it was malt based. So the, the original gravity, final gravity, water, um, yeast, tops, everything else was exactly the same. But I split uh, my base malt uh, between uh, split the base malt and then split the uh, roast malt into two different roast malts. Uh, so I'll just kind of go through the whole thing uh, just in case people haven't heard the last one and go from there. But um, so for base malts, uh, it was uh, six and a half pounds or 32.8% of uh, Vireman Bohemian dark malt. And that's like a, a Czech style uh, Munich, essentially. Wow, um, nice. And then uh, it was two row at six and a half pounds, 32.8%. Um, and then it was uh, caramel 60 at 1.2 pounds or 6%, caramel 120, 1.2 pounds, 6%, uh, chocolate malt 0.6 pounds, 3%, midnight wheat 0.6, 3%, uh, rye malt 1.5 pounds, 7.6%, and then flaked wheat 1.7 pounds, 8.6%. This is for a five gallon patch. Yeah, I think a little so, bit of that little spicy. Uh, quality I got. I was yeah. thinking, is it from the hops or is it kind of from? Is there some rye or something going on there? That that's cool. And that you know, I think that that midnight wheat is is probably helping you there too. Yeah, getting, getting your color, keeping it smooth, helping with the head retention there maybe. Yeah. And it is. So I have I found one bottle of the last version. It's on the left. And oh. the version is on the right. <laughs> okay. So almost dead in color. The new one's a little little bit darker. You can't really tell. Yeah. No. It's really uh, hard to see. But yeah, that's cool, man. Just a skosh. Nicely done. Okay. All right. Thank you. That, that wheat's that wheat's going to give you a little bit of extra body too, which yeah. helps without being without making it feel under attenuated or or warty. Yeah. This certainly is not. What uh, what yeast did you use? Uh, I did the seventeen twenty eight again. So yeah. I fermented okay. at sixty two. Um, it fermented it in about a week, and then uh, uh, threw the keg for I brewed this in August. So seven-ish months. Uh, Brian, uh, the last show, Brian suggested trying a lager version of it, and I wonder if you ever considered that. I know it's a lot more work, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't. Just uh, This beer takes about six months to age. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that you, you need to, right? I mean, it's I, I gave that advice because I always made mine with, with lager yeast, but it is a pain in the ass. But you have to worry about stuck fermentation. Sure. And you have to worry about all the stuff you had to worry about with loggers, and you managed to use an ale yeast, you know, at at a low temp. I mean, sixty two is a low temp. It can be kind of a low temperature for that. 
uh, and you manage to get, I think, the right amount of fruitiness. This doesn't come across like an ale fermentation sometimes, where especially in a bigger beer, an ale fermentation, uh, especially if it's that temperature controlled, can get real estery uh, and even a little fusily. And that's, yeah, yeah, I think you had exactly dead on the amount of esters that you would expect from this beer. And there's certainly no fusels. Damn. Yeah, you could just do it with a Kreik yeast and ferment it at 95. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Don't done. do it. If you you, you want to ferment that in the morning, you'd be drinking that at night. <laughs> no, Don't yeah. do it, man. Uh, yeah, I like that. The, <laughs> I like the yeast. I think the yeast is is good. It would be it would be interesting to to see where it went with a different yeast because I remember this taste. It's 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 you know that that yeast character works nicely with this this recipe that you've got, and you know I wouldn't necessarily need to change it but you could you could blend yeast if you like this one and add an, another yeast or something and just have some fun with it <laughs> just to, or make make a, a big batch of it and do two with two different yeasts yeah you know two the, on the actual y yeast website they list baltic porter as a style for that yeast mm-hmm. which is how i found well, it to begin with nice um, well clearly good. clearly they're right because yeah. the score that you got with this i mean i'm not sure you know we it's you're you're up in that territory where that last, that last tiny bit of point area between you and 50 is that, that weird kind of intangible, ineffable, you know, hard to identify, you know, what is that? And just getting to a 44 is territory that's going to win you, you know, first in a category, best in show. Oh, yeah, you know, easily. That's, in that, that's, yeah. let's go, you know? So my, I have yet to get a best in show, so that's my goal with this beer. So you you might I mean, I'm I'm dead serious. I mean, as much as NHC is charging a lot of money per entry this year, uh, you might want to uh, you you might consider if you have some bottles of this, ponying up that entry fee and firing this off to NHC, man. Seriously, what's There's the six uh, bottles in the fridge? So what's yeah. the entry Cap fee this really year? Really tightly though. Let's get, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I set some other beer in a competition at the same time, and the same thing happened. So I don't know. Uh, oh yeah, I don't know what's going well, on. A lot of times when I'm capping, I use the wing capper, and I'll go, I'll cap it, and then I'll just do like two different angles and get it really yeah. well sealed. Shar, what's the uh, entry fee this year? Isn't it something like thirty bucks? Yeah, I think it's like thirty-two or something. For like entry, yeah. it's like but there's no, there's not two rounds this time. There's just the one round. <laughs> Jeez. And you know, and I yeah, appreciate but, well, you know, I got the. Uh, and we can talk, I think this is something we're maybe talking about later on this show or next show, but uh, I got the invitation to judge like, you know, pretty much everybody else, but it's like, you're going to be uh, in Denver for a week and you're going to be judging every day. You're going to be spaced apart from people by 10 feet. And I mean, I think it'd be fun, but it's just hard to justify being away for a week to judge beer literally every day at the competition and I, I respect and admire the people that are doing it. Yeah. That's a great thing, but it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's difficult for most people to get away like that. For sure. Yeah. Especially now, man. Yeah. I hope they get all the judges they need for it, but, uh, I'm sure that, you know, for the people that can, uh, spend that time and, and, uh, you know, all the the money to get there and, and in the uncertain times we live in, it's, you know, uh, I'm sure they'll have a great experience. <laughs> right. Uh, when you're spending that much to send in your entry, you damn well better hope it has a shot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I and I think yours would. 
I appreciate that. I, I I'll, it I'll pony up five bucks towards it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Venmo, yeah. Yeah, are we going to start seeing uh, people crowdsourcing uh, entry fees, man? <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be amazing. Uh, go, fund me, go fund me to win in Kasi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're yeah. I think they're reaching their limits too. I mean, they're. Wow. I got an email that they're they're getting full for the competition. So sounds uh, good to me, yeah. man. God bless them. Hopefully, it happens. Uh, all right, Colin. Well, if that's it, I mean, do you have any other like? Where do you go from here? I guess. I mean, you're one of the yeah, one. You, not many people have sent in a rebrew, especially you scoring that high. So what do you? What do you do? Are you going to tweak it? Are you going to enter it? Are you going to leave it alone? Is it done? It's never done. Yeah, well, yeah. I know it's a dumb question, man, but... Uh, you listened to our which, faulty advice and actually made it a point or a couple points yeah, better here. So. I, was, I think a 41-43 last time, so yeah. two forty fours is better but when you for get sure. Yeah. In this territory, it's, it is the finer points, and, and sometimes it's hard to give really good advice when there's when it's this this good, like... Yeah, a little more fruitiness, malt fruitiness would help somehow, but, you know. So one thing um, I noticed, I, uh, so this sat in the, the back of my fridge for a long time, and I just kind of took a little off here and there. Uh, I bottled the samples I sent you guys and then threw it in the in the kegerator at a, a normal temperature, like 47, I think is what I have it at. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit higher carb, like it was a little lower carb, and the amount of aroma is just way more intense. So I think it's yeah. a little bit undercarved. And cracking the bottle I'm tasting right now, to me, it's not any, it's not as intense as it was out of the keg. So I think it may have oxidized a little bit, even. Yeah, we talked about that the the carbonation and driving the aromas and yeah. stuff a little better. So yeah, and, the, and giving a little more more of a an edge. It's so smooth it can stand a little more, even right. a little more acidity from the yeah. the carbonic acid, the CO two in suspension. It's gonna, it's not gonna hurt it. So yeah, that's. And it'll hold the head up even longer. It was pretty good, though. It was definitely improved from the last time a little bit. Uh, so nice. On that front, yeah. All right. The head. The, mid, the midnight wheat was something you added. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, how how does the year-old one tasting? Uh, it's an absolute fruit bomb. Like, it. Okay. Like, it's good. It, uh, like, uh, I've had wheat wines before, and it kind of reminds me of that. Like, straight yeah. up, like, yeah. like a Doppelbach or super-duper fruity. Yeah. yeah, like like a super fruit bomb is not going to do nearly as well as a Baltic Porter because it's not supposed to be a fruit bomb style. And I agree with you. If it's something like that, probably more like a wheat wine would be appropriate. Right. Well, you could you could blend in like three uh, percent fruit bomb with this one. Then, uh, 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 I think I put this in wheat wine. I don't think I do very well. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. All right, Colin. Colin, are you are you in a homebrew club? I am the Greenville Brew Stooges. Excellent. In Greenville, South Carolina? Yep, that's it. That's right. right. Cool. Cool. But the northern part of South Carolina. Yes, the northern part of South Carolina. (laughs) That's true. Not North Carolina. As opposed to the southern part of North Carolina. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. All right, boys. Let's let Colin get out of here. Colin, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. And then uh, be sure to check in and let us know if you do enter this. Uh, And if if you win, let us know, please. Yeah, I'll definitely definitely right. do. It is for sure getting entered, so I'll let you guys know cool. I do. <laughs> All right, great. All right, thanks, Colin. Appreciate it, man. And we're going to take Appreciate a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back uh, after after these words from our lovely sponsors here on Dr. Homebrew. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. 
Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. Hey, thanks for hanging around, everybody. It's Dr. Homebrew, of course, and we're going to be chatting now about the brand new styles that the BA introduced, and this is, of course, for you know commercial competitions, right, for uh, um, GABF and you know whatever, but I feel like it's important to talk about here, since we sort of prattle on about styles all the, you know, all the time, um, I can see some of these either coming over, maybe they're already represented in the BGCP, I don't know, I'm stupid as shit. But Brian and Brian here are the ones that know everything. So we're going to talk about the four brand new style categories. Um, some of them I've never heard of before. Okay. Some of them I have because I've been around a little bit. I've been around the block. But uh, yeah, for Shop, the most part. Saison and like, you know, peanut butter wheat and some of those. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, the, the classic <laughs> brews that I like to have. <laughs> classic stuff. Um, so first on the list. Kentucky Common. Now, isn't that a BJCP style already? It is. It's weird that uh, the BA just is now like coming up with it because I've had Kentucky Commons before commercially, not commercially, not a lot, but they've been there. Uh, I don't know. I and wonder what's, why. What's interesting is at uh, Northern California Homebrew Festival, uh, probably, gosh, five years ago, that was the uh, official style that people were supposed to make for That's like, right. People's Choice Festival. Yes, yes. And I remember at my, my homebrew club, Words of Wisdom, if you're on Zoom, I'm pointing to my shirt, we're Words of Wisdom. <laughs> we had a number of people make uh, Kentucky Common, and we actually had a pretty robust and good-natured debate in the club uh, just internally about what 
a Kentucky Common was. Was it a sour style or not a sour style? I remember and, this going around. Yeah. Yes, yes. And there was actually historical, you know, depending on what references, this was not a trivial discussion because you could find references, historical records, you know, writings uh, each way about mm-hmm. Kentucky Common. Uh, and we never really resolved it. And I'm not sure that anyone's really resolved it. And I'll be curious what the uh, uh, what the BA has come up with in that regard. Because you know, I, I had I've had sour and non-sour Kentucky Common. They're both real good. Yeah, it's a it's a style that was was popular uh, before Prohibition and uh, yep. centered around the Louisville, Kentucky area. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, they, they speculate that they use the, it's a darker beer, so they, they speculate they use the darker malt to, you know, uh, uh, kind of the, the German brewers there would put, use it to play off the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the water there, uh, uh, fairly carbonate, I believe. But yeah, it's mm. just, uh, it's an interesting, um, it just completely died out and they, they revived it uh, lately again. And uh, it was really popular there in that, that sub-region just, just before mm-hmm. prohibition, I think it was a large percentage of the beer sold sold there was a Kentucky yeah. Common. Yeah, and they brewed it really fast and and really, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, six to eight days, and they put it in the keg while it was still fermenting. Or that, you know, uh, is that is that sort of like the Germans the Spunding? I mean, yeah, where yeah, they cap it during that, fermentation to to carbonate during fermentation. Like that's Spunding, right? Am I? I'm. I got that right. Yeah. Yeah, I so believe it's you're sort right. of the they same. Put put a valve in so yeah. that it doesn't. You can kind of dial it in so it doesn't pressurize so much that it kills the yeast, but it helps you retain CO two. I think as you go, my understanding is you get closer to the end of fermentation, you keep like closing that so that you retain and naturally carbonate, right? Right. Right. Similar to croisoning, but but using the beer as it's actively going, not adding fresh. Right. You know, fermenting beer to a one that's already finished so got it yeah um it's crazy that there's like there's like historical styles that we haven't you know fully raised from the dead yet you would think that that'd be something everyone wants to do is like comb the books i mean another people uh you know in england doing the same thing i know our friend peter simons in australia is doing Mm -hmm. that too and it's like they're all sort of variations on a theme and and uh i don't know has anybody done that for american breweries yet i don't I don't know that. Yeah. The um so the you know the 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 overall thing about, the, about this beer is it's kind of a it, it's kind of based on it's, it's going to be real similar to like a cream ale, you know, with some uh some corn like quality to it and a low kind of biscuity toasty. It, it's not, you know, it's a it, it's a ambery to light light brown colored beer, but it's not like a it's not like a porter at all. It's you know, you know how uh, like amber amber ales can sort of have like a nutty, not a nutty, but like a grainy thing. Is it is it kind of yeah, yeah biscuity? So when, when you said that, it sort of reminded me like some of those really good amber, even amber lagers, right? That sort of like that that sort of hairline biscuity thing. Is it like a cream ale with that in it? Just with yeah, basically like a cream ale with a, a dark, you know, some dark malt added for for color and get, to get the you know, their, their carbonic, uh, water, <clears throat> you know, okay. to a, to a good place. So they're just, yeah, it's just a, basically a water adjustment there that they, they did. And Hey, this works, you know, they might not have even known why necessarily, but <laughs> in 1900, yeah. but, uh, 
they served it fresh so it, it wouldn't have been sour um you know it's pretty restrained alcohol it it, it uh it tops out at about you know well five percent but a lot of them are in the fours probably so and that does make sense going back to char's comment it, it that's a fresh beer it's not a beer that you serve yeah. like you know you age for six yeah. months or whatever it's produced there and consumed in the area it's probably yeah. more of a regional thing within the state of like every you know city or every brewery had their own version and it would just sort of go that's yeah. what it sounds like yeah. and that's and it a, would make sense why maybe some would add lacto or something like just taking a quick look uh, a quick search like uh alton brown's serious eats even d- dives into this a little bit and some breweries added lacto uh and some didn't so maybe at, like like you're saying jp because it's so local, mm-hmm. you could easily have around Louisville, you could have like 10 places making it without lacto and 10 places making it with, and you just go to the place you like, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like a, it's more like a, not like an amber ale, but it's more like an Irish red where it uses just the dark malt yeah. just for the color and the acidity yeah. to get their water to the right place. And um, they use some gypsum. So it's got a nice dry finish. And, um, you know, uh, they produce it quick, you know, try, the, the, the BGCP guidelines uh, suggest it's, it's, it was typically done in six to eight days. They would really just mm-hmm. use an aggressive uh, ale yeast and just go get it to rock and roll, probably over pitch the hell out of it and just, here you go, here's a beer. Mm-hmm. Six days. Um, but yeah, like one to 2% of some caramel and some, some black malt, um, you know, and whatever native American hops, uh, you know, think classic but but not not really hoppy either just really low 0.2 pounds per barrel okay wow yeah anyway yeah but it's a true american original it came from kentucky so there's not many beers you know that 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 we can claim as our own (laughs) no Uh, we've grifted onto a lot of Mm. beers over time and and taking them and done different things with them we're we're innovative here in america we like to take things to extremes do you think it's a style that like anyone cares about i you know it's in the historical section of the the guidelines yeah but i mean is is the is the is the beer drinking public and maybe if people are in the chat they can correct me as you guys like to do sometimes, uh, mm. is the general beer drinking sort of ethos, I guess, like remaking old beers? I mean, lagers are coming back. Fucking Belgian quads are coming back, for God's sakes. Black yeah. IPAs are making please, a return. Please no, no, yeah. quad, quads can stay stay gone. Right. But it's like, do we really need room for a Kentucky Common? I mean, does, is anybody going to care about it if a, if a commercial brewery makes it? No, I don't, I don't feel like it's a style that needs that needs to be etched in stone sort of like yeah. properly. It's a, it's a niche beer. You know, I think some, some, yeah. some breweries make a really good one. And I, uh, this brewery, shadow puppet in my, our local, they, they make a Kentucky common and mm-hmm. it, you know, until they made a hazy IPA, it was one of their more popular beers, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it's good. It, it's gonna, you know, a lot of people like it, but it's not like a trendy, really trendy beer. I mean, but, I can kind of throw that back at, at, at us about California Common. Don't right? do it. I mean, Anchor Steam is real good. It's a good beer. I like it. But is it relevant in 2021 to the vast majority of the American no, public? Probably no, no. Not. But, I mean, it's been made since, you know, 
well, uh, forever, forever, right? So it is. It is one it of those things where it's like it's well, well for maybe forty five years. It's continuously made, but Anchor yeah. Steam's one of those beers, man, where it doesn't travel well. It, it doesn't age no, well. Oh no. So it sort of goes to again, like this. This was a beer consumed fresh, because it, yeah. I mean, obviously they're not the same thing. But like Anchor Steam is hyper regional. That shit does not even in San Francisco. Sometimes you can get bottles that like this tastes like dog shit. It just it's so have, bitter have you, and so like. Have you seen how they cool it? I mean, they they it's it's the out it's the cold column and it flows down like the outside of this <laughs> cold column and it like it oxidizes so much. And I I've said it's exactly what I've said, JP, for fifty for forty years is yeah. you know you you. you Anchor steam more than about twenty miles outside of the geographic center of the city of San Francisco is is crap. It's awful. It's uh, awful. You'd have it in L.A. when I was younger, and it'd be like, ah, oh, God, I would drink it, but because it was something different, like ah, oh, there's something wrong with this. Mm-hmm. And then I learned about beer, like oh, that's called oxidation. It, it tastes like cardboard. Well, and it's yeah, and it's like cardboard, but it gets real bitter. Also, it's like sharp. Yeah. So when you said, oh, that's exactly my, and I've been to like clubs in, in the city. Oh yeah, where you have he's like this is this is funky, dude. Like I don't I don't understand how how long this has been sitting here. Anyway, because the ke- the kegs hasn't been empty. It's, it's been no even the bottles weeks and only two weeks are in the bar. Yeah, yeah. It, There's some it, styles that don't travel yeah. well, and I wonder if Cal- uh, Kentucky Common isn't isn't one of those. But I don't know. I it's, bet you're right. It's just one of those things where like I don't really feel like I haven't heard about a commercial brewery making a California or a, a Kentucky Common in yeah. ten years. This is weird, but uh, you know I'm glad that it's there. And now there's like it gives some sort of like uh, maybe they did it because they're they're finding more people entering that style at GABF. Maybe maybe out east people are doing it. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd be curious to drink some of that. Yeah. Sometimes you just have a, a big club that does a you know a competition for a certain beer, and they're like, hey, all of a sudden it's on the radar for a minute, you know, and then it just goes away <laughs> right. again. Yeah, for but sure. Yeah, I don't know. This one's been around for a while. I mean, the guidelines have been out since. Uh, you know, uh, t- t- 2005, right? Is it true? Yeah. Uh, the the BJCP ones, and it's in there. So. All right. Well, anything uh, anything more of note for California or for Jesus for Kentucky Common, or should we uh, flip on? Yeah, it's. Um, Let's I move think, on. I think we can move on. <laughs> okay. All yeah, right. Twenty the 2015 guidelines are they're probably due to be what did I say 2005. I don't know what year yeah. it is. It's pandemic. Who cares? But yeah, I mean, it's been out for for six years. I wonder if they'll keep it in and let the next change. But right. So yeah, we got a pair of beers coming up next, and we can kind of talk about these uh, together. But it's uh, the New Zealand style pale ale and the New, New Zealand style India pale ale. Oh, cool! Been added, um, and they're 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 regional, you know, uh, variations to them compared to like an American pale ale, American IPA. Um, but the main defining characteristic characteristic of these beers is of course the, the hops. And, you know, if you know, uh, New Zealand hops, uh, you know, a lot of them have a nice tropical fruit character, uh, you know, passion fruit, uh, some stone fruit, uh, you know, they can come across a little grassy or, or diesel like as well, but yeah, they, you know, the, uh, mm, yeah, the the pale ale is on the lighter side. I think it's you know ten ten forty to ten fifty two, so it's going to be like a you know um, four to six percent. Well, I guess it's you know kind of typical pale ale strengths, but some are a little, can be a little lighter. And uh, you know it's it's a light colored beer, not 
you know, kind of same range of bitterness for, for a pale ale, just a nice balanced pale ale with a, uh, with a, with a New Zealand hop character to it. So, um, and the, similarly for the New Zealand India pale ale, you know, some might call it a, a tropical IPA, you know, good, you, you see that on bottles a lot and that's been popular <laughs> here and there. Yeah. Tropical IPA. A lot of big breweries are making those and I, I like them. I think they're nice, you know, uh, a juicy tropical IPA. It's clear and it's, you know, uh, uh, the well, juicy as long IPA. as it's juicy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all jokes about juiciness aside, the, mm. the impression of, of, you know, what you're calling juicy is coming from the, the stone fruit and tropical kind of characteristics of these hops in the, in the beer. It's like, Oh, that's reminiscent of, a, you know, a citrus uh, juice. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. And, and citrusy too, at grassy, again, the diesel, um, the IPA can, can, they give a starting gravity 1060 to 1070 for this. So it's going to be a, you know, typical modern IPA territory, six and a half ish to seven and a half ish percent. A um, little more bitterness and uh, yeah, the color is still pretty light, like six to 12 SRM. Okay. So um, you can have a little hop haze, but it's not a hazy one. It's, you know, it's, and it's going to be wet. You can go from gold to, to copper, whereas the pale ale is like straw to medium amber. That that New Zealand IPA can be almost like a red IPA. If you you know some examples maybe uh, that's going to play a little differently with those hops. I don't I don't think that I don't feel that the tropical kind of hops play really well with the you know like a a caramelly malt. If it's you know if, if you're if you use too much caramel to get your color. Um, that's not going to work as well to me, but yeah, I would totally agree with you. I feel you, man. I feel you. I think that's, uh, we were, who, God, I forget the brewery now. I think it was halfway crooks, um, on the session. They were using a crystal rye Mm -hmm. that might could play with something, but I think in general, like you wouldn't have like a, you know, C one fifty or whatever. I feel like that could be a little too, (laughs) a little too overkill for that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's the, the the New Zealand IPA is low to medium malt. It's not not super intensely malty. I don't. I think the copper might be kind of an outlier in that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you can go there, but no one hardly does. <laughs> I haven't had. I have to say, I haven't had many of these styles either. So, you know, I've had no. some really good tropical IPAs, but uh, New Zealand specific ones. It would be interesting to judge a flight of these and you know get a get a feel for them. Yeah, um, I, I'm I do totally like those. On that, that'd be really fun. I do like the New Zealand hops, you know, get a yeah. hold of some good. Uh, the Mot- Motueka and the uh, yeah. uh, Waikatu or some of those. Waka- I'm yeah. probably uh, butchering all the names badly. <laughs> That's all right, though. The natives will be, they, they understand. It's not easy, man. Americans, you know, butchering not easy. Their, their names. But yeah, like, I feel like at least. Nel- Nelson is like Nelson. A, Nelson, uh, Nelson you can do. New yeah. Zealand. Right, Nelson is fantastic. So yeah, I love yeah. me some Nelson. That's kind of the like, hey, you know, people started noticing New Zealand hops when yeah. Nelson popped up. And it's like I had a whole. I remember seeing at Triple Rock in in uh, oh, yeah. Berkeley, and it's like they had an all Nelson IPA. I was like, oh, let's try that. And I'm like, oh, damn, this is nice. Yeah, <laughs> is it? So, I mean, El the- Cielo here in Martinez does one, and they uh, they've been canning that since the pandemic. The Nelson in the house. 
Uh, and that's a damn fine beer. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And uh, yeah, so okay, got a bunch of different ones. It's it's and Galaxy too, right? So is Galaxy I, I in New Galaxy. Zealand? Hot? I think it's more of an Australian. That's variety. Australian, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they probably Sorry. grow some in New Zealand too. Yeah, there's a. Uh, Nelson. I love Galaxy, man. Some of these that I don't is... know. Green Bullet, Kohatu, uh, Ruwaka. Some of these, uh, Ruwaka. Uh, I've, I've brewed with Green Bullet a billion years ago, like back when that was an exotic. Before mm-hmm. the, the, the New Zealand and Australian hops became a big deal, they had some at the local Moor Beer in Los Altos. And, yeah, I, I, I loved that Green Bullet even way back then when nobody knew what the hell it was. You know, like a Y-E-T. It's a pretty low alpha one, like a 22 to 3.5% alpha. Didn't he direct Thor Ragnarok? <laughs> sorry, that guy, yeah. <laughs> no, that's Taika Waititi. Sorry. There you go. Right. Uh, I, I knew. I'm just making a... I'm, I'm being um, a funny podcaster. Yeah, for sure. That's what that is. Um, all right, and then the last one, Belgian-style saison... Uh, excuse me, Belgian-style session ale. So is that Ooh. like... The Belgian pale, that Westy Six that I've been trying to clone forever. Like, is that isn't, what that isn't would be? Isn't that just a Belgian single, like the monk, the monastery, the table beer? I w- yeah, I so thought wasn't that but, a style already? I don't, I don't know. Cooper, maybe, maybe it wasn't. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But it's yeah, it's a two two point one to five uh, percent alcohol beer. Hmm. Uh, just kind of a Belgian kind of table beer. Uh, you know. Uh, the color is going to be all over the place. It, it just needs to be a sessionable Belgian beer, I think. And then something that doesn't fit into another unique Belgian style. So um, it's just the modest alcohol content is pretty much the defining character of the beer. Um, and they can be, sometimes they can be a second run of a higher gravity beer. So you make a big, you know, a Saison or a triple or something and mm-hmm. keep, keep it running. And uh, and make a session ale out of the, the second runnings there. Um, okay. You can also you know do a wood aged or barrel aged version. Uh, that sounds a little weird to me, or a fruited <laughs> version. But uh, a wood aged table beer, I don't, uh, I don't think that works. Man. Then it, yeah, it's saying yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I don't think that works you can't too enter well. those in this in this category. They should be entered in the other. There's defining it here. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're just they have to be real specific here because they have a place for everything. But uh, yeah, they put out these uh, guidelines every. I think they do it every year, don't they? For the for the competitions, the every year. Runs. I don't know. ABF, yeah, that's and, cool. You know, a lot of times the uh, well, when you're entering NHC, it's it's most of the the GABF styles, but they have they can have some slight differences in there. Uh, what they accept and uh, they can add things as they want. So more power to them. You know, it's uh, the, the BJCP doesn't need to be the only source for beer styles. And it's, you know, yeah. we're, we're kind of a slow moving vehicle and uh, you know, the guidelines change when they change. True. Um, I think they, they do a good job of categorizing the beers, but it's, it's definitely not the Bible. There's other ways. No, can, of course. And the, even the BJCP says you can run your competition any way you want using, you know, as long yeah. as your guidelines are consistent, you can use these guidelines. Uh, you can find the, the full version of them online. Just search for you know Brewers Association 2021 guidelines, and you can download those. So, yeah, they just came out at the end of February. And uh, so it's interesting to see some of the little changes in there. And I don't know that it's indicative of are we going to start seeing a lot of these beers. I mean, I know, you know, New Zealand hops uh, have become 
more and more popular over time and and they they probably rightfully have a place there so so that's a good a good ad there and i think kentucky common is interesting i don't know why they didn't have it in there before it's been around for a while but um yeah, sounds good man it's fine and maybe they just take feedback from their entrance and say, oh, I, you know, well, we got feedback in the form of people trying to submit beers, maybe that, 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 that don't fit into another style and coming up with a place for that maybe, but, uh, yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, that's cool, man. I thought it was cool to, to talk about and, uh, you know, sort of end the show on that note and sort of what's, what's new, the, the contrary to, to the popular belief, the world is moving forward, you guys. So what, hopefully, what? yeah, hopefully we'll be, uh, you know, we'll be talking about this in person soon, but uh, I thought it'd be a lot of fun just to kind of chat about the new stuff and, and sort of keep up, keep up to date. And uh, maybe, who knows, someone wants to brew a Kentucky Common and send it in, that'd be fun too. If you want to send in beers, you could be like Colin and all the other past guests that we've had. I think this is show like 187, you guys. I think this is like, oh, yeah. we're getting up there. We're getting old. Uh, if you want to be like everybody else. Email Brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. We are taking all submissions. We are taking wine, kombucha, hard seltzer, any it fucking mead, cider, anything. Anything you want to put. Cool hipster kids want to make. Yeah. Grass clippings from your backyard. Yeah. There's an ivy, an old tree. If you're making a a hand sanitizer, if you're making hand sanitizer at home, send that over too. I don't really care. But we need something. Uh, We want to keep the show going. So please uh, hook us up. Let us know what is going on. Even if you've been on the show before, who cares? Anyway, we're going to get out of here. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks to Five Star Chemicals for supporting the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys uh, for listening to the show. If you're listening live, we're going to start a new show here in about, uh, I don't know, what, 10 minutes, Brian? Yeah. Or now. Should we just do it now? Can we can we start now? Like in yeah. four minutes? Yeah, in a matter of minutes. I'm going to give my daughter a call. In a matter of Okay. All right. I'm just trying to figure out if I should kill the stream or not. But anyway, we'll figure that out offline. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you.